everybody. Happy Father's Day. Good to have you with us. Let's say hi to our online crowd. God bless you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. I asked the Lord, you know, what to talk on today, you know, to have a typical Father's Day message. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like, Lord, what do you... And so he gave me this message, and I, I, I'm, he wants me to tie it in with fathers. And, uh, and I think it's important. And, and the message is, is called basically the power of your first words. The power of your first words. But I want to start off with a story. Um, my dad, who's not with us, probably watching online, hopefully got his phone to work. Dad, I love you. So uh, if you're watching, God bless you. And um, so anyway, um, he is proud of being extremely, and I say this, and those that know him, frugal, <laughs> cheap. Whatever he can get for nothing is a good day. And I say this with all respect. I grew up with that. So here's the story for you. You know, Christmas uh, around when they'd celebrate, even with our kids. So part of this is a story, and part of this is truth, and I'll explain as I go through. Part of it is a story, but I just thought it was funny. But, they, you know, we would get our presents, and there's no sense in buying wrapping paper when you have good newspaper that can be used. So all of our presents, how many in my family, give me a hoorah, can say we got newspaper-wrapped presents? Yeah, there you go. Uh, and so that's what we did. There was no paper paper. I mean, when my sister and I grew up, we did get some things wrapped in Christmas paper. But for the most part, in later years, uh, it was newspaper. But him being frugal, and if you're a kid raised in that, how many knows if you're a kid and you don't have a lot of things, you get extremely creative? Your mind goes places. One year, I got a box, and I unwrapped the box, and inside it was nothing. I looked at the box, I looked at my dad, and he said, it's invisible man. I played with that for like three weeks till my sister hid it from me. Teasing. <laughs> that part is the story. But I'm just saying, so fun, uh, you know, figuring out things. And, and uh, for years, we'd never know, like, if he got it for free or, and just re-gifted it. You know, some of us got the same gift two or three times. You know what I'm saying. It was just fun. But uh, I say that now. Back in the day, it probably wasn't as fun. But we just love my dad and, and his sense of of giving and fun. We've had a good time with that. But today is Father's Day, and I believe it is important for fathers to speak over their children. I think it is important. Back in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it was very important, as you know, to get the blessing of the fathers. So it's important for what fathers say. It's important to tell your children, I love you. You did good. I'm so proud of you. My wife even, you know, said things that I confirmed over and over again to my children that she would say, you're going to do great things for God when you grow up. And we began to just, that was a phrase we said at our house all the time. It's so important for the dads to speak a blessing, confirmation of good. Because as a kid, especially nowadays, you can feel really pressured or inadequate or maybe you're not a jock maybe you're you know more of a a, a a scholastic person as far as i you know i'm a nerd i know knowledge i i'm good i'm smart but i you know it doesn't really matter as long as you are doing what god has put in you 
and your father can recognize that. So I want to talk about first words today. So here we go. What is the first thing that you say, whether dad or mom, when you get bad news? If something is happening, now we have just at our house went nearly six days without power. Thank you, Jesus. You appreciate a hot shower, a running toilet. I was an Eagle Scout from Boy Scouts. I didn't really want to have to live in the woods again. But we were getting close. I thought, I'm going to have to go out and hunt. <laughs> I mean, we had, to, we had to throw all of our refrigerator food away and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, God is good. But what is the first thing that you say when you get bad news? The first thing, if a crisis happens or you're in a situation, the first words out of your mouth. It matters a lot more than you think. I, I was so proud of my wife. I, I love her so much. She is such a great example for me. Because, you know, you might think that, oh, pastor, you have it all together. Oh, boy, I don't. You know, and sometimes that's when you find out how much you really have together or what you have or have not. Because when the pressure's on, you know, that's how you get wrinkles out of clothes. That iron is the heat. And it takes that, boy... I'm like, God's still working on me. But she, could, she would say things. I'm not saying she, she was happy about it. I'm not even saying the tone was good. But she helped keep me in line. The power of your first words can make or break your situation. It sets the tone for your outcome. The first words that come out of your mouth. A lot of times in a crisis, these are emotion-driven. You ever say things when you're mad you really didn't mean, but boy, you're mad, and so bless God, I'm going to say it. And you just say it, and you wish you didn't. But they're emotion-driven, or there's not a whole lot of thinking that goes in. You just retaliate. Sometimes people say something, it rubs you wrong, and you're like, well, let me tell you what I think about you. If you were somebody, you could... Click your finger, work your neck, whatever. They come in a moment of venting. It's really never in the problem-solving mode. It just was, I got to get this off my chest. And some of that's natural. I had to start realizing sometimes we are human beings. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying because we are human. But see, that's where we have to take authority. Most people respond in a natural way. And that should tell us something right there. If everybody's responding that way, <laughs> that should probably be a warning sign. Maybe I should respond different. Anything that's natural is usually almost always in a flesh mode, in a man mode. Usually the wrong response mode. Adam? Where are you? How about this? Cain, where's your brother? I'm not his keeper. Adam, well, the woman you gave me. Is it really, Brett, that big of a deal? Is it really a big deal what we say? Here's the short answer of that. Yes, it is. Let's get started. 
First words, number one today, is they set spiritual laws in motion. So, yes, I'm talking to dads, but I'm talking to everyone. We all need this. Matthew 12, 37 says, The word you say, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Like it or hate it, believe it or not, your words matter. It'll never stop being true. You will always reap what you sow. Life and death is in your mouth. Words, especially first words, put spiritual laws in motion. Now, most generally, they did studies, and most men don't need to say as many words as women. My wife will say, how'd your day go? Good. What'd you do? Not much. Worked outside, worked on a message. But women want, most women, so let me put that disclaimer out there, want more words than that. Give me something. Talk to me. They want to know why and how did that make you feel and did you get accomplished in this and that and all of that. And it's okay to want words like that or need more words because that's your makeup. There's nothing wrong with that. So there's nothing wrong with saying fewer. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about if you don't have anything good to say, you, you've been hurt, you know, just maybe don't say anything at all. Your mom and dad probably told you that one. If you got nothing good to say, don't say nothing. But you can have all of that and you can say words and say good things. So it can still be all good. There's nothing wrong. I'm talking about how we respond to what happens to you. First words, set spiritual laws in motion. God designed it that way. We have results one way or the other. That's a spiritual law. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Mark 11, 22 and 24, we love that. This saying that you can say to these things, whatever you say, say to the mountain, your words. It's so important. You know, I talked to you last week and talked about the enemy can't, read your mind he goes by what you do or what you say this is a say covenant your words what you declare out of your mouth proverbs 13 3 he who guards his lips guards his life those are just a few examples you know what god said in the very beginning the first words that humans heard were be fruitful multiply fill up the earth subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. The first words God said to man were blessing. They were empowering. Here's what I'm giving. I'm giving, this is what I want you to do. So to be in line with his will, our words should match in our situation. You know what, you, we used to have, remember those bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? That is that's great, but you know, some of you are like, I'm not Jesus. You know, there's all kinds of things we want to say. I go, oh, I got a lot to say. Can you imagine? I bet you Jesus had a lot to say. But he had to again say to, I gotta, hmm, I gotta rein this in. Words. I want to be in line with the Lord. I want to match what he would have me say. And my wife is good with that. She'll say, What did God say? 
Well, this is what they say. I don't, I don't want to hear what they say. What did God say? And that's what she wants to know because she will draw strength from that. We can go back to dates and times, and she journals these things, and I put them on. You can put it on your smartphone where God will tell you something. You can say, this is what the Lord told me to do. Beginning of this year, he told me four things to do for the church. See more, expect more, go further. So to see more and go further, then move the, the stakes and expect. So we're believing God for, for great things. We're on a journey, and we're going to get there. But what did he say? I have to go back to that because when all hell is breaking loose, you got to go back to what God said. If God told you, you can attack hell with a squirt gun and win. Can you imagine David? I love David. I mean, just for the fact that David, he's got guts. David is like, I'm going to take Goliath. Who's this guy think he is defiling God like that? And all of his brothers and all the other soldiers are saying, man, do you know how big he is? And David is like, he does not care about a size. Here's the, here's the objective of this. Let's listen to God because people are saying, you know what? He's so big. He'll destroy you. And David said, you know, they're like, you'll never, you'll never hit him. David said, he's so big, I can't miss. You see, his attitude was like, I got God. And if God said, I can do this, I can do this. That's what Jesus was telling Jairus when he was facing that situation. And you know that story. Jesus, that's all happening in the whole time. The woman with the issue of blood and Jairus is trying to get Jesus to come to his house because his daughter is sick. And in the middle of all that, Jesus keeps getting stopped. And they finally said, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's, she's dead. But he had already got a hold of Jesus and Jesus said, I'm coming. Jairus could have said a lot of things right off the bat when somebody said, don't bother the teacher anymore, she's already dead. He could have allowed his first words to be grief and anger and, and resentment or, or, you know, you people stopped him from coming. He could have lashed out at a lot of things. But Jesus, I believe he knew he'd be tempted to do this, and he also knew it would set the wrong spiritual law in motion. And if you read the account, he says, Remember what you said. He quickly, you know, Jesus just basically said, do not fear. And I love this because this is the same thing that he has told my wife. Only believe. Only believe. And that's in Mark 5, 36. You don't see Jairus saying anything. There is no record of him saying, yeah, but. How many have ever given God yeah, buts? He didn't get into agreement with the bad report by speaking words. There's no sense in you coming. You heard what he said. Jairus is not recorded as saying anything. Because it would change the outcome of that situation. And as we find out, as we go on and read the rest of the story, a miracle took place. The daughter was raised from the dead. How about you and me? What would be our first words if you get a bad report from the doctor? That doesn't say what you want to hear. Maybe you've lost your job or you've been laid off. The company is cutting back. 
Maybe your teenager has gotten into a little bit of trouble. Remember what we said in the beginning, Matthew 12, 37. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Your first words in opposition to what you want to see is important. What do you want to come to pass? Could you speak the end result? No matter what you see. They kept telling us, we're going to get your electric on. They kept pushing it back another day, another day. And I'm like, huh. I had one lady, I called them, I counted, I didn't tell my wife this, 16 times. I went and counted how many times I called AEP. 16, love you AEP, you're great. And they were very kind on the phone. I had one of the, the people there, she said, I understand exactly what you're going through. I said, you do? And she said, yes. I said, do you have power? She said, yes. I said, ma'am, you do not understand exactly what I'm going through. We had a down power line across our drive. We are four-wheeling around the power line. Oh, no, don't go over that line. You could get shocked. You think? So we have put wonderful a road. We have a, a side road now on our drive because we couldn't go around the power line. But I was very kind, and they were very nice. And she said, well, I do appreciate your patience. Because you know what? Me getting mad and my words all over that are not going to change. That power line, there isn't like a, the electric power angel's not going to come and go. <laughs> so I just have to, okay, I see that. So this is what we kept saying. My wife would say, we just see it done. We will have power back on. We were dreaming of taking a shower. You, if you were downwind, you'd say, I believe you. <laughs> that tornado came through. I got some trees down on my property that were out in the woods, didn't hurt anything. And uh, the tree that fell down on, took the, the line out, was not on my property. It was on my neighbors. And we thought, we should have been more specific. <laughs> but my son, he had like 15 trees. They were all across his drive. Crazy. So I spent that day. He's like, Dad, I, they had to have their, my granddaughters crawl over logs to get him out of there at 1 in the morning because they didn't know if the thing was going to stop. They had to get him out. And so the next day I was there with my chainsaw. I spent all day cutting trees. And he said, Dad, I just realized you went home. You didn't have any power. I said, no, we didn't. He said, well, you couldn't shower. I said, no, I could not. <laughs> but I realized how much you take for granted just running hot water and then we bought gallon jugs that you pour in the back of the, the toilet, you know, so you can flush it. Did I say that online? I did. <laughs> and and cold sink baths are not nearly as good. So I ended up being able to go to uh, the uh, Mal and Justin's house, I was able to take a shower there, and Kim was able to take one, and Maddie at, at Sam's. But, uh, yeah, it was an ordeal. But, again, putting our mouth all over that in a negative way, we began to continue to see ourselves. We are going to get power back on. It got moved back a day. It doesn't matter what they say. That's what I can just hear my wife. It doesn't matter what they say. We'll get it on sooner than that. you got to understand, you might have to update your first words because there's other people involved, other people's will, all that, and I'll get that. But, man, I'm going to put in my mouth what the Word of God says on that situation. What does God want me to respond? What the, how does God want me to act? First words. 
I want to see what God wants me to see. I want to see the end result. I want to see us with power back on. I want to do what I can do to make things happen. If it's not happening in my time that I think is my time, then God, I'm still submitted to you. What do you want me to do? If I don't do it in a positive attitude, submitted to Christ, then I'm, I'm putting wrong things in motion. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't put it back in. It's hard to put toothpaste back in a tube. So what I say is, the, <laughs> it's much easier to set the spiritual law in motion with my first words in a right way than speak wrong words fueled by emotion and then try to rein them back later or break them and redo that. Can I get an amen? We've all been there. And there's times just in the motion I say something and, you know, she'll tell me or she'll say something and I'll tell her. Or I said the other day, I said this. I said, I am sick of this. I said it. And I meant it. And she said to me, she said, babe, you shouldn't say you're sick. You need to break that. I wanted to say stuff like, let me tell you what I'm going to break right now. You better just be quiet. Because I'm sick of this. But she was telling me a, a spiritual principle. And she didn't know I was going to preach this. I didn't know I was going to preach this. But she was right. So I had to say, I break that because I'm not going to be sick. According to the word of God, I'm going to be over and above. I'm going to be the head, not the tail. I don't care what the enemy wants to try to do. God has got me through it. If he's got to part the Red Sea, so be it. If he's got to send manna, come on manna. If he's got to send quail, 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 quail. It's much easier to put it in motion correctly than have to go back and do road work. Here's our second thought. We talked about studying spiritual laws in motion. The second one is first words, show where your faith is at. You ever look at a picture and you're like, ooh, of yourself? That's what I look like. And then you have somebody that's really nice to go, pictures don't lie. Well, I'll tell you. Let me tell you about pictures. I'll take some pictures of you. But pictures will help you see where you stand in your faith. Sometimes you can say one thing, but all of a sudden, when that pressure's on, woo! You find out really where you stand. Sometimes Kim and I have been driving. We thought we were in faith for something, and pressure come on, and then we both are just like fueling each other, blah, 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 blah. And then we look at each other and go, okay, well, we know where we're at right now. So then we'd have to go redo road work. I repent of that. I break that, Father. Lord, and then we start speaking rightly. They tell you where your face at. Mark eleven twenty three. I will tell the truth. You can say this mountain. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Your first response to a situation can be anger, can be fear, resentment, sadness. If that's your first response, guess what happens? That's where you usually stay. You're going to stay in that level until you figure out. Because when you're down in the curb and all you can see is the curb, you need somebody to help you or at least the word of God to show you something higher than that. 
I start out in doubt and fear, it's a tougher transition to move over to faith because I've already told myself, this isn't going to work. I'm too afraid. What do you think about the matter? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. God, help me to line my thoughts up with you. Let me think higher than I would think. Than I would normally naturally think. Sometimes I've prayed for people and I've pictured the healing before it ever happened. When I was at youth, that camp just a, just a few weeks ago, God was healing everything I touched. And a kid would come up and he'd say, I, PB, this is what's going on. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or I got this. I'm, one kid said, he, I might have told you this, he had a line on his eye. I couldn't see it, but he said for years he looked out one eye and it was just had a vertical line. He said the doctors are just like, hopefully... You know, they really didn't have anything except there was a scratch maybe on his cornea or retina or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to get this information from the, from the young man. And so I prayed for him, and I remember taking my hand off his eye. I couldn't tell, but in my mind, in my spiritual mind, I could see him responding like, I can see. The line is gone. I took my hand off, and he looked, blinked a couple times, blinked again, and I could see his face, and then he was like, it's gone. And man, all these you know, other guys around him were like, awesome. That was awesome. Now I was looking, is Tad here? Tad's not here today. Tad, God healed Tad of something. I want, was it his, his, it was his eye or something like that. It's amazing. First words need to match what God says. And that'll establish a strong faith inside. This is what the Bible says. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids would come back when they were little and say, Dad, I want to do this. Because over at Billy's house, they do that. And I'd say things like, I love you. Look around. You're not at Billy's house. Because this is our house. And this is what we do. And sometimes as we've grown older, our kids have also said stuff like, man, you guys were so strict on us in some ways. But we didn't know. And I wanted to, because kids are very impressionable, are they not? Some of them, I mean, my, my boys, they were like, so we were like, okay, this is, you know, they, they, they saw some movies, and yes, they were Disney cartoons and stuff. We took out a lot of stuff. They didn't see it. It was until they were almost young men, they're like, I didn't even know that was in there. Because we never saw that part. We always fast forwarded through that or whatever, because we didn't. We didn't like that. We didn't believe in that. We didn't want to. We didn't feel they were strong enough to understand the difference. You can throw stones if you want, but I'm telling you, first words. It's important. I want to be established, God, strong in you. And I want my faith to be established. So faith words spoken first will keep me from being double-minded. So if I start establishing first, even though my feelings might be saying different, inside, my, myself inside, my flesh is saying, I don't see this. But my faith is going to say what God wants me to say. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Romans 10, 17. You need to hear yourself say the things of God. 
and you need to hear it so much that it gets from here and it gets down into here. When it gets from here down into here, it starts getting in what you do. Your actions will follow. James 1, 6 and 7, when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver to a person with divided loyalty as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Let me just say this. This is what I'm finding. Pick a side. You want to serve the enemy? I can't stop you. But I read the end of this book. (laughs) You don't win. We win that serve God, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. So pick a side. Faith or fear, start from the beginning. You might say, but Brad, I'm afraid. I understand that. But pick faith. Tell your fear to answer to faith. If fear knocks at the door and faith answers, fear is going to be gone. Think about the Shumanite woman. If I even say that right, Shunamite, Shumanite, this lady. She was, <laughs> this is what she was doing. Second Kings in chapter 4. Her child dies in her arms. I wish I could go back and do some things. I really wish I could. Have you ever felt like that? Our first child was a stillborn. I remember holding him. I wanted him to, to breathe. I, I wanted him to, to say something. And, or, you know, not like he's going to talk, but to make a noise. The doctor came in. I threw the doctor up against the wall. I was holding him off the ground. Probably not a good idea. But I was so upset. I wish I could go back and do some things. Someday I will get to see him. His name is Joshua. I get to those streets. My father-in-law has already met him. So I'll get, he'll probably come over and say, say, this guy's any count. He'll tell me all about Joshua. I'll get to see him. But anyway, this, this woman, this humanite woman, she was facing a crisis. Her baby had died. She had to make an in-the-moment decision how she's going to respond. And isn't that how it, how it happens? In the moment. In the, have you, we all had all kinds of time. We were always, we'd say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But in that moment... The moment where you're using a hammer and you smack your thumb. In that moment, do you say, oh, thank you, Jesus? Or do you say, oh, Cheerios and whatever else comes out of your mouth? In that moment, how do you respond? Faith or fear or whatever. She could have let natural emotion take over. She could have broken down, cried, mourned, even became angry. Maybe she did some of those. I I don't really have record of that. She could have accepted what's happening and said, just contact the, the funeral home. We got we to do a funeral. But there's no record of her doing any of those things. She believed God had something more. She believed God had something more. Paul says, I am fully persuaded. Man, what would happen if you and I were fully persuaded? If we knew, God, you are here to, to help us. You do great things. All good things come from you. But see, we get taught wrong things growing up. God kills good people. God lets bad things. You know, we don't understand the authority and the kingdom principle. He can't go against his word. You have authority. You have dominion. But we have to act it. 
We have to put it in place. But she believed God for something more. She laid the child in a room, sent for a donkey, and headed off to find Elisha, headed off to find the man of God. When asked by her husband, where are you going? What are you rushing off? What's going on? Instead of saying anything else, instead of getting into her motion, instead of saying our son is dead, that's all natural, I think. She spoke these words, and you probably know what I'm going to say. This is what she says. It's recorded in the word. All is well. In the natural, everything she's looking at is not well. But she's going to say her first words, all is well. If you follow the story, how it ended for her, her son was raised from the dead. First words mean more than you know. It sets the precedence. It sets things in motion. When I'm done with this message, some of you are going to say, I got some things I got to break. Then do it. Start getting God on the situation. Sometimes we're wanting, God, I want you to do this. And he's like, you've been speaking this over this for a long time. You better change what you're saying. Next time you receive bad news, instead of so many other things you could say, all is well. Now, my wife didn't use those exact words, but I told her, I said, I am so proud to be married to you. You just blessed me. And she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, I finally let her catch me. <sighs> but, <laughs> but, you know, besides that, no. I'm just saying, you know, she was teaching me because there's times I'm just, you know, you, have you ever wanted somebody just to get on your pity party wagon? Oh, man. You just need somebody just to help feed that so that you can both go, woohoo, let's talk about, oh, the trouble we've seen. But I want to say the right thing at the right time. Lifting up the word of God in every single day, in every single circumstance. The power of the first words makes a difference in my life and situation. And I need to have God's word inside me. So if something starts happening and you don't like it, you're faced with some sort of crisis, the first words coming out of your mouth should be words of life, not words of panic or words of fear, but words of trust. God, you have this. Thank you, God, that you're going to show me what to do. Let the word of God be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Our last thought for this morning is this. First words, grant permission. Psalm 103.20, praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening to each of his commands. First words, grant permission to somebody. Now listen, you can put angels on assignment. Some of your angels are unemployed because you don't give them anything to do. They're waiting for you to, they hearken, the Bible says, to the word of God. Keep them busy. So something's getting permission, either for the Lord to bring blessing, or you're giving permission for the enemy to start just raining havoc on your situation, his plan of evil. You see, words are the start button. When you push the button, things start going in motion, good or bad. Heaven is waiting to hear the words of the king. What will you say that can be acted on? How will you put the word of God? They hearken to the word of God. It is written. What are you telling the enemy? This is what the Lord says. Because the enemy is going to tell you lies. He is deceitful. 
He is, the, he is the father of lies. He will tell you everything against the word. You can see when it's going against the word, then say what the word says. It is written. If the enemy will tempt Jesus, what makes you think he will not try to tempt you? The devil has no rights to us except what we give him. And you know how he gets access? Through our words. That's why Jesus said, remember that first scripture, by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. That's what the acquitted part means. When the kingdom of darkness attacks, my first words should be the keys to the kingdom. Let me tell you what God says. Let me tell you what God says. You see, because listen to me, the enemy knows what God says, but he doesn't know that you know what God says. And when you act on what God says, you come under that authority. And the Bible says that's delegated by Jesus. All power, not some, not a portion, but all power was given to him. And he said, you have it. And you can tell the enemy, you can, you can just step back, Jack. Hit the road. Don't you come back no more. Psalm Listen to this. I declare that the Lord alone is my refuge. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. That is a statement of faith. It is saying, those are my first words, God will take care of me. 3 through 16, listen to this. This is a great psalm. It's probably one of the more famous, but it has so much power. He'll rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He'll cover you with his feathers. He'll shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor of the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand are dying around you. These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how, wicked, how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who call on me. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. God says, if we will do it his way, we cannot lose. We get deliverance because we opened up the access by the Lord so he can take us from words that maybe we've spoken before. What do you speak when trouble comes? I have people that will say, well, I get the flu every year. I'm probably going to get it. No, I break that. I'm not saying I get the flu. I'm not trying to be super. You ever meet people that are super spiritual? I was telling this to Jay this morning. I say, people say, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. And, you know, you're just human. Hey, I'm looking for the keys to my car. What you need, the keys to the kingdom. Just need my car keys. <laughs> Could you run the sweeper for me? Can't run the sweeper because that's a dirt devil. I won't have a computer because it operates with a cursor. Too spiritual. 
Lord, help me. Help me to say what you want me to say. And help me to get in agreement with your words. What do I speak when trouble comes? You see, whatever is in your heart in abundance is coming out of your mouth. It determines the direction of your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's the power of first words. So you, how do we do it? Well, we make sure we get full of the word of God. Put the word of God in you so that your heart, your mind, have nothing but faith that starts to operate in there. God, how do you want me to see that? Yes. I'm going to tell you one story, and I'm going to close. I had been a Christian about six months. You know, they say if you, once you first get saved, they probably should keep you locked up because everybody's like, oh, my word, because you're trying to get everybody saved. But shouldn't we be doing that all the time? You know, we kind of lose some of that. We, you know, then we kind of just get mild and all that. But sometimes it's, I get it, we're too spiritual and we're overzealous, and there needs to be somehow that medium road somewhere where you can receive but I had people, they called me little Jesus and all kinds of stuff at work. I was working at Ponderosa. Ponderosa. That's where I met Kim. And, and she was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. She, I still remember her carrying a tray of steaks. There's no better way to a man's heart than a steak. I think that's awesome. But she looked really beautiful, and she, I still remember how she looked. And her aunt was the manager, and she said, you leave her alone. She's spoken for. So I did. I told her hi, but I, I left her alone till the turkey left. And then I jumped right in there. It's my turn now. But anyway, it all, five kids later, here we are. There you are. 37 years. And she's put up with me this long. Let me go out of this story. So I'm, I'm up on front. I'm on the line. I'm a, I'm a cook and all of that. And we had a line out the door. Remember back in the day, they have ribeye sales and stuff like that and steak and shrimp and all that. They had a line out the door. And it was down the, you know, clear people waiting outside. They ran out of meat. So all they had was frozen meat in the freezer. And it was wintertime. And we had had an ice storm. And so they're trying to get the meat out of the freezer. They're trying to put it in a prime rib oven to try to thaw it out. And You know, if you cook frozen meat, it usually burns on the outside and it's still not so good on the inside. But they're doing everything they can. And, you know, people are upset because, you know, they just didn't figure there'd be that big of a turnout, I guess. Well, they can't get it out there. There's about, I don't know how many employees that are outside. There's two or three managers that are out there. And there was, I think, maybe three on the clock. So they're all outside. They're trying to get this lock. The lock is frozen with ice. Thank you. The lock is frozen with ice. And I'm just, I've been saved like six months. And I didn't hear this, the Lord say anything to me audibly, but I just felt in my spirit like he's talking to me just like, you know, sometimes, you, you, you know, people are like, what's the Lord say? I've heard him audibly before. But there are other times he just sounds like you, like your conscience. How many get a witness? You know, and so this is what he said. He said, I need you to go out there and pray for that lock. And I'm like, what? I don't have a key. There's people, they're all around it. They've got big lighters. They're trying to melt the ice off of it. They can't get the key in the lock. And the Lord says to me again, I'm watching them. And he said, just go over there and lay hands on. I've never laid hands on anything but a sandwich. <laughs> and so he tells me, go in there. So I walk over. I just wade through these people. I'm like, oh, help me, Jesus. Now, think about it. Now, I want you to tell, this is what I just said to the Lord. I remember saying this, okay. First words. Okay. I went over. I grabbed a hold of that lock. Don't have a key. 
It's not unlocked. And I said out loud, in the name of Jesus, open. Pulled that lock down. The thing goes, thunk, and opened. And I was like, and people are like, what? And I remember walking back out, walking in, and I heard people going, how do you do that? How do you do that? And the guy said, oh, we, we freed it up. And the manager, I saw the manager go, uh, I have the key. That was God. That incident led to other incidents that led to me leading people to Jesus. First words. Obedience. Do you believe him if he told you to do something? He's told us so many times, I need you to do this. We moved to, okay, here's the other story. It's 1144, last one. But I feel the Lord want me to share this. It's going to be short, though. We moved to Irvin Shoots Road. We lived there 12 years. It was a great house. The garage, we turned the garage into a bedroom for the boys. Even though it was a bigger house, it didn't have enough bedrooms. And we had saved money to turn that into the boys' bedrooms. And we, I had a car I didn't know anything on, and the Lord said, sell the car. And we said, we told the boys, we're going to sell the car, tithe off the money. We're going to use the rest of the money to put your bedroom together. And the boys are like, sweet. I sold the car. It was a Bravada Oldsmobile SUV. It was nice. As soon as I, we got the money, several, many thousands of dollars, I guess, or whatever. for the, And the Lord said, now, give all the money. I said, God, you, you don't understand. We're supposed to use that for the boys' room. And he was quiet. Then he said, I want you to give the money. So Kim and I, this is what we did. She said, now, this is how this, is how this works. She trusts me, I trust her. She gets a peace in her spirit. The Bible says you're to be led by what? Peace. Okay, I believe you heard God. I think we're supposed to sow it. So we wrote out the check, and we sewed it. We brought our kids in. I, I need you to hear me. One of them, they were, they were cool. I said, I know this is what we told you, because this is what we thought. But the Lord has redirected us in our thinking and told us to give all this money. I know that he's going to provide for your room, and we're going to see him do it in a miraculous way. And both Sam and Zach were both like, I don't know if they said anything different. But to us, they're like, okay. I mean, they, they just let happen. Of course, if they would have said, that's not fair, we would have said, this is what we're doing anyway. But nonetheless, we brought them in on what God was doing. They were, and so we sowed all that. And you know what? The Lord provided money to get their whole room done. I, to this day, I don't know how he answers all those. That's not my job. My job is to listen to what he says and say, okay, and just do it. I want to just say to you this morning as we close, just listen to it. Maybe there's some things that you need to, Father, I break my words in this situation. I've had my mouth all over this thing. I know I've spoken death to it. I've spoken, I've criticized it. I've criticized this. I've criticized this person, that person. Break those words because just as you had the, you launch things into motion by saying them, you can also break them and then put new words in. And start new. And if somebody comes up, you say, well, Brett, I already said some stuff. If they said, well, you said this before. And then you can just say stuff that's true. I know when I was wrong, and I'm sorry for saying that. 
and I broke those words, and I'm believing God for this, and so I'm a work in progress. Isn't that honest? I'd rather take somebody being honest than somebody that's never wrong, because we've all been wrong. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Father, on this Father's Day, and those that are watching online, if that's where you're at, you've, you've just said, Lord, I, I got to watch my first words. Maybe there's some things you need to break. Maybe there's some things that you don't. You just need to follow. I want you just to put your hand up and put it right back down. Those online, you can do that as well. Maybe you're saying this morning, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I want to rededicate my life back to Jesus. I just want to get everything on the right, the right page. I just want to pray with you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Put your hand up and put it back down. And online, you can do that as well. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Help me to say the first words that I need to say. Putting my faith in motion. Putting your kingdom in process. I will see fruit, and it will be good. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I so love you guys. Stand to your feet. Give the Lord a big shout.